You're listening to the Holy Hot Mess Mom podcast. I'm Heather, and I like to treat this podcast like we're just old friends sitting around in our jam jams with no makeup, a messy bun, and probably some sort of bodily fluid on our shirt from a child. In this show, we chat about homemaking, simplifying mommyhood, Jesus, and everything in between. This is a place where we embrace that life can sometimes be a crazy, beautiful, hilarious mess. I want to give you the encouragement, support, and some practical tips to help you thrive, even when some days you might feel like you're riding the Holy Hot Mess Express. So grab Grab a cup of coffee or wine if it's been one of those days. Relax, let's chat. Hey there, welcome back. So this episode, I'm going to dive deeper into these seven promises of the domestic church and of domestic church families. And so if you're interested in learning more about kind of the background of domestic church and why it was started and how it came to America, whatever, go to the most frequent episode, not most frequent, most recent episode. Let me look that up. Hold on a moment. We are logging in. Ooh, almost 10,000 downloads, y'all. Okay, so it's going to be episode 48. This is episode 49, and you can look up uh, all the details in the in the show notes, and I'll link to that previous Domestic Church 101 episode. But this episode, I'm going to dive into all seven premises of the Domestic Church, why they're awesome, tools you can implement, even if you've never gone on a retreat or evangelization retreat, whatever with your spouse, these are all things you can implement in your family and your life. And I'm actually going to have a free download. It is holyhotmessmom.com slash domestic church family. You'll be able to get this download, sign up for the email. It'll come to your email inbox. And it's a challenge for your family to start implementing these seven promises in your life, in your family life. Little overview. Okay. The seven promises are individual Bible time daily, daily prayer, daily individual prayer, daily couples prayer, daily family prayer. Four things we do daily. Okay. Number five is couples dialogue. Number six rule of life. And number seven is spiritual retreat as a family or a couple yearly. Going to go over those. Number one is daily Bible reading. And you can do this. I'll put links to this. There's different ways to read the Bible. There's Lectio Divina. There's all these different ways. But basically the way we were taught on this retreat was to carve out time that you can read the Bible and be silent. Just reflect. So every morning they would give us a passage and they would give us about 30 minutes to just sit quietly. We weren't supposed to talk to our spouse. We weren't supposed to talk to anybody else. We just sit there, read the passage and meditate on it. There's something really powerful about stopping. Okay, it's one thing to read the Bible, which is what we should all be doing. And I struggle with this a lot, y'all. Let me tell you the last time I picked up the Bible and read it. Not sure. So I'm failing at this promise. I promise you. But I'm also struggling with babies who are, I'm justifying it. I'm trying to justify it. I need to be opening my Bible more, but the babies are getting molars and they're waking up at the butt crack of dawn. Still trying to justify it. I admit that is my number one sin. I'm always confessing is that I don't put God first. I put things before God. I am, I am recording this podcast and I could be spending this hour reading the Bible, but I'm not. See issue. Anyways, I'm not a perfect person. Learn from my mistakes. So Anyways, you to sit there in the same spot every day to close your eyes and just think, God, I invite you in here. Holy Spirit, I invite you into this space with me to open my soul to seeing what you want me to see, to read what you want me to read, because this is your very life-giving word of God. It is eternal and it is also current. 
Okay, so you have to read the Bible in context of when it was written, but you also need to open your soul to realize that it was personally written for you. And something I have learned since starting this practice, when I do put it into practice, is sometimes I'm going to sit there and I'm going to quiet my heart and I'm going to say, God, please be in this space. Holy Spirit, fill me with your love and your grace and knowledge and wisdom to be able to extract from these words on this page what you want me to know. And I have learned that three things are going to happen. It's going to be an answer to one of your prayers, which could be no, it could be yes, it could be guidance. It's going to be guidance for something that you didn't realize you needed guidance for or guidance for a future time when you don't know you need it, but you're going to need to recall that passage or whatever you gathered from that. Or it is God planting seeds in your soul to share with others. Okay, so it's either going to answer prayers one way or another. Yes, no, maybe. Yes, no, wait. It's going to give you wisdom, peace, joy, happiness, content, um, sometimes even reproof. If it's something that's like, oh, snap, God giving me that wisdom. Like I was not living my life holy in X, Y, Z regard, whatever. Or it's going to give you these seeds to be able to spread to somebody else. And a good example of that is I read the passage one day. I opened it up. I just said, God, you know, I sat there for like a quiet two minutes, just kind of repeating, God, be in the space with me. Please fill me up with your wisdom and your love and your grace, your mercy and your forgiveness and allow me to read something that you want me to read. Now, everything in the Bible God's going to be able to speak to us somehow, but he chooses where you open that page to. And it's always right. And he opened the page to, I'm going to look it up because I don't even know the passage. I literally just Googled words speak life or death. (laughs) Okay. So I opened to Proverbs 18 verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruits thereof. And it was very important that I got that because here, I'm going to read a few more translations. Let's see. The tongue can be, can bring death or life. Those who love to to talk will reap the consequences. And I was struggling a lot with negative self-talk as well as negative talk to my children. Mommy's busy. Why would you do that? And it really was eye-opening to me that I'm speaking death to people. And although I am not going out and murdering somebody, I am killing spirits. I'm killing joy. I'm killing motherly safety that they feel with me when I speak to them in that way. But then also that gave me this treasure inside me that when I was in a situation where there was gossiping and I opened my mouth to contribute to this gossip, I immediately thought, oh, yes, I am not going to kill somebody's reputation because the tongue has the power of life and death. And those words stick forever. And once you put them out, you cannot get them back. So to speak life into everybody, whether you love them, or whether you like them or not, you're called to love them. So that was something really that touched me. This is your tent of meeting. And they call it tent of meeting because Moses would take himself away and go into the tent every day to meet face to face with God. And to get his instruction for the day. And even Jesus, who himself was also God, 
would step away. He would go out early and step away to pray to a deserted place, to a lonely place by himself to go get instruction from his father because God doesn't call us to do everything. He calls us to do what he knows is good for us, for the eternal glory of his kingdom, for the sanctification of the people around us. And if we're not going, I'm like preaching to like, I'm an idiot because I have not been waking up and doing this. But if we're not getting our direction from God, then our days are going to be misaligned. There is nothing but fruitfulness that can come from waking up before everybody else, having your sip of coffee, sitting there with God in the word and just listening. You know, like how much do we often just pray and ask and ask and ask, or even say, thank you, thank you, thank you. But we never listen. That was something that I thought, that is something I miss in my life. And there was a point where we're reading these passages and about 15 minutes, I'm sitting there going, what are you trying to tell me, God? I don't, I'm not good at this. Like, I'm not good at just sitting here listening. I'm not good, God. I'm not good at this. This is not easy. I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) I had this awakening where God said, it's because you don't listen. I just started sobbing because I am a talker. And when I am uncomfortable, I talk. When I'm upset, I talk. But very rarely do I step back and listen. And it was calling me to listen to God, but also to listen to my husband. I can be very selfish in that regard, especially whenever it comes to faith. Me, 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 my way or the highway. I was lacking the discipline to be able to step back and listen to my creator, listen to the man who is, who is, who I'm supposed to be submissive to, not in a dominating way, but to be more open to conversation with him instead of, Hey, this is what's happening. And it was really important that I needed to hear that. And so I sobbed for the next 20 minutes and part of me didn't even know why I was crying, but I did know that God was there. And I did know that the message I was supposed to receive was that I need to learn how to listen to others, family, friends, especially to God, to sit there, allow him in my space, and then shut up and listen. Super fruitful. The tent of meeting or the daily commitment to prayer is something we should all be doing. Anyways, number two is daily personal prayer. And again, so you're reading the Bible and then you're sitting there and you're listening. Yes, we need to be confessing. We need to be admitting our faults. We need to be, I'm going to take a sip of water. We need to be thanking him for things. We need to be asking him for things because I think it's really important. People think like, I don't want to ask, ask, ask. But if you don't ask, then you're basically putting God in a box and saying that like he can't do these things, but he's God. So ask him of the things that you need help with. Spend time in prayer, listening, but also talking and deepen your relationship with your personal relationship with God. But then on the flip side of that is daily couples prayer. This one was something that I always thought was so awkward, but when they put it in the terms that, okay, sexual intimacy is being the most vulnerable physically you can and giving your body to another person. Now take that and put it on a spiritual level. How can you be the most spiritually vulnerable and literally opening your soul for somebody else to just peer inside at? That is if you let them listen to you pray to the God that made you. 
to your father. And so the way we have started doing this, and I insisted that my husband go first because I want him to be the spiritual lead, but we lay in bed together and we hold hands and he just opens his heart and he asks God for forgiveness. He asks God for strength. He asks God for wisdom for any people we have said that we're going to pray for. We know we should pray for. And you just literally talk out loud to God and let your spouse listen. They don't have to say anything in response to your prayers. It is you and God and they are a fly on the wall. Whenever he's done, he squeezes my hand a little bit. I know he's done and I start praying. I talk a lot more than he does. So I'm talking and talking and talking. Thanksgiving and forgiveness and supplication and asking and all these things. And then whenever I'm done, I just start in our father and he joins in with me and we finish with the sign of the cross and our couple prayer is over. Just opening that avenue of couples prayer has allowed us to be less awkward with each other. We are in a point in our marriage where our children are so small that physical touch is very few and far between. And when it is, it can be um, remote or seem robotic. And this has allowed us to rekindle like our flirtiness because we're being so vulnerable with each other, not during sexual, not just during sexual intimacy, but during spiritual intimacy. And that spiritual intimacy has opened up graces in our daily life that we can love and prayer and speak and be honest with each other, our communication is easier because we allow God into it. So then daily family prayer, and this could be a decade of the rosary, however it is. What we have started doing, we used to pray before the big kids would go to sleep, but now that the twins are 18 months, we have them pray too. So it's before we brush the the baby's teeth. Um, They're not really babies anymore, but before we brush the twins teeth, we all sit down and To get everybody's attention, I actually say, how many friends are here today? How many friends came here to pray? And we count everybody. One, two, three, four, five, six. Let's clap it out. One, two, three, four, five, six. Let's stomp it out. One, two, three, four, five, six. Let's dance it out. And a lot of times the kids will say like, let's jump like a frog it out or let's wiggle it out, whatever. And then I say, there are six friends on our feet. Now it's time to take our seat. And we all sit down because we've gotten our wiggles out. And we do the sign of the cross and we just say, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep guide me safely through the night and wake me with the morning light. God bless. And we ramble everybody, mommy, daddy, Lane, Evie, Charlotte, Caroline, Ellie Cat, Gunner Dog, Gigi, Gampa, Burt, Burt, Carter, Yaya, Papa, Uncle Dino, and Aunt Brooke. Like we just go through the whole rambling. I mean, everybody has it memorized how many people we ramble on about. But then we go around and we start with one of the twins and we just simply say, Charlotte, what do you want to pray for? And she'll say, meow, you know, (laughs) I want to pray for the cat. Caroline, what do you want to pray for? And she'll, you know, say whatever, milkies or whatever she wants to pray for or mama. And we'll say, that's a wonderful thing to ask God about. Then we let our bigger kids do it. And it's beautiful to hear them open up to God and say that they want to pray for Thanksgiving, that their sibling was so nice to them, or for forgiveness, for not behaving in XYZ, or thank you for our friends, or pray for my friends that that are sick or something. It's beautiful to hear them. And then I go, and then my husband goes, and he concludes at the end. And obviously, it's not as deep as our couple's prayer goes, but the way my husband ends it is, then he says, and all of our friends and family. And then we name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. And we also have kids' rosaries in the big kids' room, and we let them know that when they go to sleep, they can take a rosary and they can pray Hail Marys on the beats. Um, Lane knows how to pray a rosary. Evie, not quite there yet. But 
it does comfort them to do that so that they know that they can have individual prayer, but they can also out loud pray. And we have also tried to make an effort to stop during the day if somebody is struggling or if somebody is having a really great moment to stop and pray Thanksgiving or pray for help to give those joys to God too, um, as well as praying before every meal. So I really want to bring in like praying the divine mercy chaplet, praying the Angelus, but honestly, I need to set alarms or something for that because it's not something I grew up doing. So it's not something that's like a routine for me. So I need to somehow figure out how to do that. So anyways, that is your tentative meeting, your individual prayer. So your, your Bible, individual Bible time, individual prayer time, couples prayer, family prayer. Next is the kicker. This one is hard. It is hard to do. It is hard to start. It is hard to maintain, but it is extremely important. This one is called couples dialogue. Think of it like a a CEO and a CFO having their monthly meeting or whatever. What we have done, which has been really, really fruitful for us not being able to skirt on this meeting is our anniversary is on the 17th. We got, we've been married three times to each other. <laughs> we had a small wedding where nobody knew about it in a Protestant church. We had a, our big wedding, you know, with the dress and all that stuff. And that was also by a Protestant pastor. And then whenever I had my big coming home to the Catholic faith, I wanted to have our marriage convalidated in the Catholic church. All three of those marriages, weddings, it's all one marriage, different wedding, I don't know, blessings, whatever, all occurred on the 17th of the month either. So we started dating on October 17th. We had a May 17th wedding. We had a March 17th wedding and we had a June 17th wedding, our marriage or whatever. Anyways. So 17 is kind of our thing. So on the 17th of every month, we have couples dialogue. On the 30th of every month, we have a finance meeting, which we have just implemented three months ago. So this, again, is it's still new. But to know that it's coming on the 17th of every month, I didn't even have to say anything this past month. And I told my husband on his way out the door to go to work. Remember, we have our couples dialogue this tonight, like, you know, no video games, no, you know, doing whatever. We have couples dialogue tonight. So start thinking about stuff you want to talk about. And he was like, oh, yeah, I already am. It's great because you're going to start. I just had a realization. My daughter has been doing amazing. The one that's very hard to talk about or to um, parent. She's been amazing for the past month and a half, I think. And I think the first time we did couples dialogue and sat down and really prayed over her was a month and a half ago. And I just am like feeling the graces of God. Then we finally opened up and allowed God to parent his child. So anyways, that is, I'm like mind blown by the goodness of that. Anyways, there's the fruitfulness of couples dialogue right there. So anyways, you start this whole thing by inviting God into the space and inviting the Holy Spirit in and having him guide the conversation. And the reason why you want to do that is because that will take off the defensiveness. It will lessen the hurt or the pain or the attacking that could happen. But also because you are regularly meeting and talking about these things, it is an effort to not ever have to be putting out fires. This is the time where you get to sit down and bring up small little embers that are still kind of glowing for this issue and that issue and this issue and this child. And, and you can squash those right there with the water of the Holy Spirit. You get to douse those instead of keeping them all burning until all of a sudden the house is in flames and you're in crisis mode and you're having to put out fires, fires in your marriage, fires in parenting, fires in whatever. 
you invite the Holy Spirit in. And that is just closing your eyes and just invoking the Holy Spirit, holding the hands with your spouse and saying, Holy Spirit, please come be with us in this couple's dialogue. Be with us as we talk to each other, as let us be charitable and loving and gracious and kind as we talk about any issues or whatever that we have in our marriage and in our family life. And then you start one by one. You're going to say, okay, husband, how are you doing mentally? How are you feeling mentally? And he's going to say, you know, I've been feeling this, or I've been feeling really down, or actually I've been feeling really, really good. How are you feeling physically? I don't know. I feel like I'm not eating very well. I feel like I've been eating out a lot. I feel like I, I need to get out and get a physical release by going for a run every night, X, Y, Z. How are you doing emotionally? Mentally and emotionally can kind of be around the same thing. How are you doing intellectually? Do you feel like you're being challenged? Do you feel like, I know specifically for me, whenever we go over it for me, it's like, I need something to stimulate my brain because I'm with these tiny humans all day. So mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, how are you doing spiritually? I don't know. I feel like there's a wall between me and God. I feel like this part of my life is going really well, but I feel like this part of my life isn't. This part of my relationship with God is going well. It isn't. I'm not doing very well at reading the Bible. You know, I need help with that. And then you can discuss ways that you can deepen your spirituality, improve your emotional health, your physical health, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Then you talk about how you're doing as a couple in those areas. Mentally, are we talking to each other? Emotionally, am I, are we appealing to each other's love languages? Physically, how are we doing? How is your sex life? How is your intimacy other than sex? Are you cuddling? Are you holding hands? Are you taking date nights with each other? Are you prioritizing each other over the kids? Are you sharing responsibilities equally? Those kind of things, things that you need to check up on and talk about frequently in a marriage, but it is neglected until all of a sudden there is a fire and you haven't been in the bedroom with each other for months, or you feel like the only time you're ever intimate is in the bedroom. You never hug, you never touch, you never kiss, you never say I love you. Whatever those issues are, they can be brought up in a non-hostile environment because God is at the center of that conversation. So then you're going to talk mental, physical, emotional, spiritual health of you individually, your husband individually, you as a couple, and then you're going to go over every child. And my kids are young, so it's easier because the babies, it's like mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, they're good. Even my big kids are the oldest is five and a half. So mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, they're good, whatever. But that's also when you can decide like, so they're in the Sunday school classes. Is that benefiting them spiritually? Or should we try another church or whatever? Um, for us, it was the decision to put them in catechesis of the good shepherd versus parish school of religion and do parish school of religion at home those kind of things we were able to talk about and discuss in that safe space and be open to allowing the Holy Spirit to guide that conversation. We do talk a little bit about finances, like how are we doing in communication on that? But because that's such a big thing that needs to go over, like, where are we at with our net worth? Where are we at with investments? Where are we at with savings, debt payoff, all those things? We save that for the 30th, 31st of every month. We know that meeting is coming and that's pretty much me presenting it to him because I run all the finances, but it holds me accountable. But this couple's dialogue meeting could last hours. And so the domestic church stuff recommends like getting a babysitter for this and being able to go out and have this conversation. 
whether it's sitting in the car in the driveway where nobody can bother you, you know, while you have a babysitter inside, or we just save it for after the kids go to sleep because our kids don't stay up late, but you might need a babysitter to go sit in quiet at a park and talk to each other or go to adoration or go to a church and sit for two hours in the presence of God in the Eucharist and the presence because you've invoked the Holy Spirit and have these conversations with your spouse, but it needs to be happening. And this is something that couples are not told. You know, everything is lollipops and unicorns and rainbows whenever you get married because you love this person so much. Love is not true love until you have until you start suffering with each other and you, the true you comes out whenever you have to give up sacrifices or suffer or go through a hard time with your spouse. And you need to have those communication building blocks there and that openness there and the, in, the invitation of God there before crap hits the fan, not trying to figure that out while crap is also hitting the fan. And that is something my marriage has lacked very, very much so. You don't have to be Catholic to implement any of these things. Just invite God into your marriage, into your life, into your spirituality as a couple and individually. And it's beautiful. So then the next promise, the sixth promise is, um, rule of life. Rule of life is basically something you found issue with in this couple's dialogue. You're going to come up with a way to improve that somehow. Okay. I feel like we, as a rule of life, like we're not intimate enough with each other outside of the bedroom. So we're going to commit to 30 minutes of a show every night with each other, phones up, cuddled on the couch every single night after the kids go to bed to spend time with each other. Or rule of life, we're going to do one date night a month on the 20th or whatever. And, you know, just to be mindful of finances on every other 20th, we're going to go out but then on the off months, we're going to commit to like, we're going to make each other a nice dinner at home, rent a movie, you know, phones up, spend time with each other, play a board game, whatever it is to kindle our relationship with each other. I know people that have committed to daily mass as a family or, you know, weekly adoration, making sure that you're eating dinner as a family every single night anything you can come up as a rule of life for your family, but it's just something that's in one way, shape or form going to draw you closer to God, closer to each other and boost this domestic church environment in your family. Okay. Then the seventh one, and this one is hard and some people don't keep this promise and it's hard to, and I don't really know what we're going to do as a family whenever it comes to this, because technically we fulfilled this obligation whenever we went on this domestic church evangelization retreat, but you're supposed to go to a retreat yearly as a couple or as a family. And you can go to the evangelization retreats or you can go to these Oasis retreats and they are family retreats. You go for like nine days, seven, eight days, whatever, out in some retreat center with your family. And you know, it's like, it can be $1,400 to $4,000, whatever it is. And this is your summer vacation as a family. And there's religious formation and there's daily mass and there's adoration and there's childcare there so that you can actually spend quality time with your spouse, but then you can also spend unplugged time with your family. There's the religious aspect. You're growing in faith and spirituality with each other, but not all families can make that happen in Poland. They have this retreat. I think the retreat is 15 days because it's supposed to be one day for every mystery of the rosary. 
So people in Poland take two straight weeks off to do this with their family, and it's super fruitful and it's amazing. Now remember, domestic church just came to America. They're still trying to adapt all these things. They're even still trying to translate it into English, all this material and religious formation and all these retreat things. So it's still developing around here, but I want to say it's seven or eight days for the domestic church family retreats around here. And everybody I know that has ever gone says it's amazingly fruitful and that it's totally worth it. But again, it's something that like you have to make the commitment and the sacrifice to be able to do that to benefit your family. This in a nutshell are these seven spiritual promises, practices that you can make an effort to put forth to creating this domestic church environment in your family. And so, like I said, I've got this printable and I'm still kind of dreaming it up, but by the time I post this, it will be for download, but it's just going to be like a little cheat sheet on domestic church and what you can do to commit to those seven promises as a family and yourself individually for your daily prayer and daily scripture reading. And I, if this really resonates with you, or if you go register for a retreat or something amazing like that, shout out to me, come see me on Instagram and let me know if you've got experience with the domestic church movement or any of this, because it's all, it's amazing. And it's a wonderful, wonderful set of tools to keep in your marital toolbox that I just feel like they're not rocket science, but like, why was nobody teaching this? And why are we not teaching this to young couples? Like as they get married, when they get married, why are we not, why is this not widespread? Like we could be changing the face of the world if families implemented all these things. You know what I mean? Why are we not doing this? This episode is over, but there's lots more content for you to check out on my website. Head over to holyhotmessmom.com for all sorts of downloads, posts, and ridiculous stories, as well as the show notes for today's episode. Don't forget to find me on Instagram and Facebook at Holy Hot Mess Mom, as well as in our exclusive Mama Facebook group by searching Holy Hot Mess Mamas. That's Holy Hot Mess, M-A-M-A-S, so we can connect, share, encourage, uplift, laugh, and be virtual best friends. Do you have a topic or something you want to hear about on the show? Shoot me an email at podcast at holyhotmessmom.com. I'd love to hear your suggestions. If you like this episode, would you do me a huge favor and head over to your podcast app and give us a rating and review so that more ladies can find our podcast. The more great reviews we have, the wider we reach with our support, tips, laughs, and encouragement. I would really appreciate it. Until next time.